Hello and welcome to this episode of the Evelyn Partners Investment Podcast. I'm Cherry Reynard and with me today is Daniel Casali, our Chief Investment Strategist. We're going to be trying to make sense of financial markets, looking at inflation, US rate rises and corporate earnings. We're recording this on Wednesday, the 7th of September 2022. And before we begin, here's some important information. Nothing in this recording is intended to constitute advice or recommendation, and you should not take any investment decision based on its content. Any opinions expressed may be subject to change without notice. Remember that the value of investments can fall as well as rise, and that you may not get back the amount you originally invested. Past performance should not be considered a reliable indicator of future returns. Different funds carry varying levels of risk, depending on the geographical region and industry sector in which they invest. You should make yourself aware of these specific risks prior to investing. If you're unsure about the suitability of an investment, or if you need advice on your specific requirements, you should seek professional financial advice. Okay, welcome, Daniel. Now, at his Jackson Hole speech, Fed Chair Jay Powell made it clear that there would be no pivot on interest rates and the Fed would do whatever it took to tackle inflation. Um, his, his comments sent markets tumbling almost immediately afterwards. Um, do you think it was always optimistic to hope for a pivot from the Federal Reserve before any real weakness had been seen in the economy? Yes, I think so. I mean, following Fed Chair Powell's hawkish speech at Jackson Hole, this was at the end of August, and also the messaging from the last FOMC meeting, US interest rates are still expected to be rising for the rest of the year. So a Fed pivot to move from rising interest rates to lower interest rates is unlikely to happen this year. Um, There's already been some economic weakness in the economy. Real GDP has contracted for two consecutive quarters in a row. Some economists would define that as a recession. Even so, inflation remains too high for the Fed's liking, and the Fed is likely to persist in tightening monetary policy. And if it's not quite bad enough yet, how bad do things need to get? I mean, how low does jobs growth need to go, for example? Well, things do look bad uh, from the perspective that the US economy is overheating. Inflation is at multi-decade highs and labour demand is probably too buoyant for the Fed. It's not necessarily about the job growth. Uh, The Fed is looking to match the labour demand with supply. Uh, As a measure of labour demand, if you look at job vacancies, uh, they're still down for their peak, but they've remained very, very high indeed and far in excess of the available supply, which is the unemployed. Uh, so we probably need to see that labour demand come down over the coming quarters uh, for the Fed to even think about easing back on uh, tightening policy. This is feeling being felt in rising wage rates and the wage rates themselves are also quite high. And the Fed is concerned that this could become more entrenched in the economy. And I mean, just finally, honest, I I feel like I ask this every every uh, month when, when we do this, but are there any encouraging signs on inflation? I'm going to sound like an economist here and say yes or no. Uh, so, for example, in the US, in short, yes, there is some good news. Uh, the headline US CPI inflation did not rise on a monthly basis in July and is expected to be flat to slightly down in August when the date comes out on the 13th of September. Uh, some of the drivers of inflation, like used car prices, are coming down. Gasoline prices also coming down. And the fact that the dollar remains strong is reducing the imported price inflation. Uh, on the bad news, if you strip out the food and energy, we do find there is still upward pressure on the underlying inflation rate. And that's really coming from higher rents. But even there, there are some signs that this is starting to come off a little bit. Uh, but the underlying rate of inflation 
uh, on CPI inflation that is is at 5.9% and that still remains very very high so there's plenty of political pressure on the Fed to address this cost of living and you know markets sold off a long way over you know a period of a couple of weeks I mean do you do you have a sense that they uh, overreacted or do you think it's they just got realistic well not really I don't think they did overreact I think markets generally don't like the uncertainty uh, and with inflation elevated there's a risk that the Fed could surprise markets with much higher than expected interest rates uh, given that the tech sector is very sensitive to interest rate and a sizable part of the global stock market there is some potential for downside however much of the tightening that the Fed has done uh, is already priced into both equity and bond markets we can see that equity valuations are a lot more cheaper than they were at the start of the year and bond yields and short-term interest rate expectations have risen quite markedly so looking forward global stocks are well placed to recover from these oversold level but with a caveat that providing there is evidence that the US economy is no longer overheating okay thanks Daniel um, now if we could turn to Europe, um, there seems to be a, this sort of dichotomy in Europe. So European consumers have been in the eye of the storm on the global energy crisis, um, but then company earnings have actually held up reasonably well. I mean, to you, what, what explains this kind of difference? Well, unsurprisingly, with the rising cost of energy, European consumers do not feel that confident at all about the outlook. In fact, if you look at consumer confidence data for the Eurozone, uh, in August, it was lower than at the depth of the pandemic uh, in April 2020. Annual retail sales, they're only available up until June, but they're hovering around zero and it's expected to fall sharply over the coming months in line with this weak confidence. Okay, and, and why is it a better picture for European companies? Well, essentially, in a higher inflationary environment, pricing power for listed European companies has improved by raising the prices of the products and services to offset the increased cost of energy and wages, profit margins in aggregate have risen to record levels. So despite the high energy prices, European companies, and that includes the UK, have produced solid company earnings for this uh, recent second quarter just announced. So European companies posted earnings per share growth, for example, of 28% increase from a year ago. And even if he excludes the outside profits from the energy sector, uh, European earnings per share still rose by 9% from a year ago in that second quarter. Okay, so that's that's not too bad looking back, but do you think, I mean, do you think there's still pain to come on earnings? And, and if so, it, are certain sectors particularly vulnerable? Yes, I mean, it, it really depends on which sector you're looking at. So those heavily energy dependent sectors, such as manufacturers in the auto sector, they are vulnerable to downward pressure in company earnings because they have to pay higher energy costs. However, the consumer sector is also vulnerable, particularly as Europeans uh, are going to spend more on energy and less on the shops. However, the energy producers, chemicals and basic resources, they have strong earnings growth uh, in this high inflationary environment because they have considerable pricing power. Certainly, there are risks surrounding European stocks in general, but companies that continue to deliver on earnings front, supported by these strong sales from the pricing power and a weak euro, uh, this does provide an opportunity for investors, even though the market risks have risen. Right. And then finally, we, we've got to turn to the UK. So we've got a new PM uh, making big promises, uh, but inflation remains a big unknown. Um, so this month has seen some astonishing predictions for UK inflation. Like I think Goldman Sachs was warning it could hit 22%. Can it really be that bad? Well, I think it's an understatement to say UK inflation is a big unknown. 
Uh, if we look at the UK inflation, it's been driven by surging wholesale gas and electricity prices. Now, there's multiple reasons for that, uh, from low levels of inventories, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the climate agenda, uh, other nations buying up more and more gas and struggling to find alternative sources of, for energy. Uh, we did see that Ofgem, the energy regulator, uh, last month, they raised the energy price gap by 80% compared to its previous cap uh, and further uh, wholesale gas rise, price rises are expected early next year. And of course, this could put uh, upward pressure on inflation. However, a lot depends on our new Prime Minister, Liz Truss, and what she does to mitigate this rising cost of energy. We still don't know what Liz Truss is going to do, but there's lots of speculation that she's going to freeze the energy price cap. We don't know what level. She, she did say at uh, today's uh, Prime Minister's question that announcement's going to be done on Thursday, but this could have a big implication for bringing down inflation, mathematically at least. Uh, on balance, I know Goldman's got a very high figure, uh, but the consensus average of economists surveyed by Bloomberg believe that UK inflation will peak at about 12% uh, in the fourth quarter of this year and steadily decelerate to 2023. So it does depend on what the Prime Minister is going to do in terms of her policies about when or where uh, UK inflation peaks. Okay, and that, so there are also incredibly, as well as gloomy predictions on inflation, there are resulting gloomy predictions about the impact on the UK economy. So I'd actually put the same question on this. Is it really that bad? Well, I'm going to put the same answer as an economist. Yes or no. Uh, true, inflation is running at its highest level since the early 1980s. But the unemployment rate of 3.8% is more than half of the rate back then and is trending down. The labour market is the bright spot in the economy to keep consumption, consumption growth at least chugging along. Nevertheless, there is still going to be uh, economic downside as consumers and businesses tighten their belts to pay for the sharp energy cost increases. But again, a lot depends on what the government's going to announce tomorrow. I mean, do you have a sense of how painful it's going to get for the UK consumer? Well, as to be expected, the consumer outlook does not look good, uh, given the impact of higher inflation and reducing real incomes uh, from inflation. Uh, households, though, they can save, uh, reduce their savings and borrow a lot more to offset some of this cost. Uh, we have seen in some of the household credit data that has picked up quite strongly. Uh, so people are borrowing more on plastic to get through, uh, which is not great for the longer term, but at least it does give uh, consumers uh, an avenue for their finances. Uh, nevertheless, if you look at the Bloomberg Consensus of Economists, they expect virtually no household consumption growth at all next year. Uh, so next year is really going to be tough for the high streets up and down the country, especially as we start getting those bills delivered. And do you think that the UK is being hit worse than elsewhere? Well, relatively speaking, the UK has a bigger inflationary problem than, say, the US, where the strong dollar has reduced import costs and America's sizable fracking and oil industry has partially insulated the country from the worst of the energy crisis. Europe faces similar energy concerns with the UK and shows how vulnerable both economies are directly and indirectly to Russian gas supplies. It could be argued that Germany's energy situation is worse than the UK due to its high dependence on Russian energy. Either way, how economies fare will depend on how severe the winter is, uh, how much demand can be curtailed by high prices and how much inventories can be built up in the meantime. So in Donald Rumsfeld's speak, the late US Defence Secretary, these are known unknowns for the UK and European economies. However, the UK economy is not the stock market. Many of the larger companies in the UK stock market 
uh, have a global focus. Around two-thirds of U.S. large-cap index earnings are from abroad. This means that many companies have relatively low exposure to the domestic economy. The U.K. stock market still looks cheap relative to many of its peers, and a weak sterling exchange rate has boosted the value of U.S. dollar earnings when they're repatriated back to the U.K. Could you give us sort of a big picture on your current views, you know, the key themes that you're, you're looking at? Well, I'd focus on five themes. The first one is still to favour equities over bonds. We think that companies are better able to deal with an inflationary environment by raising prices, unlike the fixed income market where uh, coupons uh, yields are fixed uh, and likely to lose money in, in real terms. Also, equities are cheaper than bonds. The second theme is in terms of sectors. We like energy stocks. They tend to do better in a higher inflationary environment and have decent earnings growth potential. Uh, and further, considering that the Western government policy has been aimed at reducing fossil fuel use, big oil and gas companies are focused on raising the profitability and returning more value to shareholders through dividends and share buybacks. Third, by geography, we still like the UK, international focused stocks that is, not the domestic ones. Uh, so given that the domestic outlook is bleak, we think it's those international focused companies that stand to benefit. Uh, from the rise seen in energy prices and also raw material prices. We think they can also gain uh, in terms of their profits from a weak sterling as those dollar revenues are translated into a weaker currency. Fourth, we would continue to stay away from US mega cap stocks, which we've been saying for all this year. Uh, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, they're very rate sensitive uh, and they're vulnerable to rising yields. Uh, they also entail sizable portfolio risk. And then finally, we do like gold as a portfolio diversifier. Gold has performed better than bonds and is less vulnerable to inflation and also has a lower correlation to stocks. Okay, great. Thank you, Daniel, for that roundup. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. All references and lines spoken about in this episode can be found in the episode show notes. And you can find lots of other investment articles on evelyn.com, including Can Investors Gain Trust in Trusts? Please do subscribe to our show if you haven't done so, and you can rate and review us in the App Store. Until next time.